Hello and welcome back to our November Empower Women series podcast. I personally cannot believe that it's already November. I feel like 2021 has just been flying by. The episode for this month is called Establishing Year-End Philanthropic Goals with Maggie Alexander. Maggie is a partner at TPI, which stands for the Philanthropic Institute and directs TPI Center for Global Philanthropy. In this role, she supports individuals and families, foundations, and corporations in aligning their philanthropy with their values in ways that are more strategic. An entrepreneurial leader, Maggie has spent over 30 years focused on philanthropy to improve the quality of life for low-income children, families, and communities in the United States and over 30 countries worldwide. Personally, I love this episode, and I think it provides really great insight into Number one, maybe how to start thinking about philanthropy, and number two, how to make your decisions around philanthropy more strategic. I just want to plug our Next to Empower Women series event before we dive on into this episode. On December 14th, we have Planning for Everything You Own and Everyone You Love with Elizabeth O'Neill. And January 11th, 2022, we have Why We Need Movement, which is kind of kickoff to starting your year off right with Teresa Quinn. Both of these are held at noon and we'll have the podcast coming out after. If you want to learn more about these events or any Empower Women series events or our ethos around Empower Women series, make sure to check out empower.women.com. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us today here at Lexington Wealth Management's Empower Women series. Um, Maggie is with the Philanthropic Institute. So Maggie, tell us a little bit about yourself and TPI. Well, thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, uh, the Philanthropic Initiative was started over 30 years ago as a nonprofit with the mission to really help donors um, achieve more meaning with their grant making and to have greater impact in the uh, charitable gifts that they're giving. Great, great. And I know I've heard in the past, you've talked a little bit about um, that you do things like help people focus on their philanthropy. So tell us a little bit about why people should focus and then what, what they should be focusing on. Great, sure. So um, more and more donors would like to see their charitable gifts have an impact. So it's really helpful to focus your giving to spend some time to think about what issues do you care about, what populations or people do you care about, and what geographies do you wanna focus in on? That's not to say that you have to be rigid with all of your dollars. I like to encourage people to think about their giving um, in a portfolio approach, where some of your dollars might be really strategic and focused, and other dollars might be more responsive to your friend who's running the marathon or to a particular organization in your community. But when people do become more focused, um, they end up um, enjoying their philanthropy much more and getting to know the organizations that they're giving to more. And the other really great reason to be strategic with your philanthropic giving is because that allows you to also say no. As people learn that you're, you're giving charitably, you might have more and more requests coming to you. And it's, it's nice to be able to say, no, I'm sorry, um, uh, what you're doing is great. And I um, it really, it's wonderful that you're doing that, but that falls outside of my area of interest. 
So I can't give to you. So it's just helpful to be able to say no as well as yes. That's great. And that's a really great point. Um, I know I've heard from many of our clients that they constantly get asked and then they feel guilty at times um, and not really sure how to say no. So I think planning and focusing your, your, your planning strategies or in your philanthropy makes a ton of sense. I've also heard you talk to some of our clients about the philanthropic curve. Tell us a little bit about that. I would love to. Yeah, Peter Karoff, our founder, came up with this concept of the philanthropic curve, which is just basically different stages along the journey to becoming more strategic that we've noticed with working with hundreds, um, hundreds and thousands of clients over the past 30 years. Usually a, an individual or a family will start out just becoming a donor. You know, this is the... Um, from time to time, they'll make a charitable gift because they're moved by something that's going on in their community or because they're moved by a particular issue. But they're not particularly, um, it's more reactive. It's responsive to what they see out there in the world. But as this begins to increase and they get more requests or they um, have more charitable dollars that they wanna get out the door, donors start to feel the need to get organized. They can't just do this with their checkbook anymore. They, they want to start to think, okay, this is, um, they might be feeling overwhelmed, in fact, by how do I get all of this out the door before the end of the year? So some of them will establish a, a donor advice fund at a community foundation, or they might start a private foundation. And that's a great mechanism to help uh, a vehicle to help with the giving. But um, there's still the struggle to prioritize. And that's when donors really move into the third stage of becoming more strategic. And that looks different with every donor, but usually it means that they step back, they take stock of where they've been giving, and they think about how they want to be proactive into the future. And, um, and then that's at a point where they'll decide, okay, what focus areas am I going to choose? What geographies, what people? Um, so that they have, a, they have a goal identified for themselves with their giving and being more strategic. And then they move into a stage of becoming even more focused on results that let's say they've been giving to a group of grantees for a few years. Um, in this fourth stage, they really want to go deeper. They want to understand the landscape of the issue, and they want to identify those organizations that are most impactful and effective. Oftentimes, this is a point in which they move from just making grants to actually getting to know the grantee partners much better, and perhaps checking in with them once a year to say, you know, how, uh, how did you use our philanthropy, and what do you need moving forward? The fifth stage is really leveraging their charitable dollars. So um, philanthropy is so much more than check writing, right? It might be serving on a board of directors. It might be uh, collaborating with other donors so that your philanthropy can have a greater impact by pooling your funds and your resources. Um, and it might be um, uh, talking to the nonprofit partner and saying, would a challenge grant help you to unlock or to attract other donors? So there's a lot of different ways of leveraging your, your philanthropic dollars further. 
Um, and sometimes you want to think about how you leverage your not philanthropic dollars, but um, in impact investment and socially uh, social purpose investment. Um, and finally, I would really say the sort of pinnacle of the stages is when you become a donor leader, when you really uh, are moving forward on a particular issue or in a geography and others are looking to you uh, um, as, you know, oh, you know, the Shapiro Foundation, for example, they focus only on refugees and they're often looked to by their peers as, oh, this is, if the Shapiro Foundation is giving to this organization, then I know they've gone through some rigorous due diligence and I know that we can also give to that organization. That's what I would say is, is really being a leader um, in, in philanthropy. Well, that's great. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, when I think about myself personally, and I think about some of the clients that we work with, most people are um, in that, you know, at least already in that phase one where they become a donor, or maybe, you know, if they're not giving dollars, they're giving time. Um, and they're doing it through a bunch of different ways through donor advised funds and gifting strategies and things like that. So that's great. As they move through the philanthropic curve um, and they they think about, I guess, maybe in that getting more organized or becoming more strategic area, they there's, there's a starting point, right? Like you talked about thinking about different ways to get started and framing the philanthropic decisions. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Great, well, I like to think about, um, to get started, I like to think about two things. One, I like, I encourage our clients to think about their values first, to really think about what values are guiding your philanthropic giving. Um, for some people that might be values that are rooted in the family history. And for others, it might be values, um, you know, their own personal values or values that they come to as a, a family. If you're giving with your family, you might wanna have a conversation about what are the values that really underpin our giving? And then what am I most passionate about? Just really even taking a couple of minutes to journal about, you know, what are those um, what are the things out in the world that um, you're either concerned about or that you really want to promote and see more of? Um, so really starting with the donors' passions and values, I think is the, the fundamental starting place. And then from there, there are kind of three buckets of decisions that can be helpful to make. Um, one is to think about what population you um, want to, you, you care about, or um, a, a demographic that you think needs philanthropic attention. Could be women and girls, it could be um, homeless population, it could be BIPOC students um, to make sure they have an equal access to educational opportunities. So, um, and then I think about, you know, um, a geography. What area is important to you? I, I run the Center for International Philanthropy and I work with donors who, that want to give outside of the US, but they also work with um, donors that are here and really want to um, lean in locally and want to give locally. So I, it's very helpful to think about your geography and you can do both and. I work with many families that have a strong local strategy, but if there is a disaster somewhere in the world, they don't prohibit themselves from also um, 
providing emergency response. And then last but not least, just to think about kind of your principles in your giving and your approach to your giving. Uh, some people really like to find that innovative new idea, um, maybe a new startup organization, and they like to fund those new startup organizations to help them be successful for their first few years. Other folks like to take a strategy where they fund organizations that have been around for a long time, have a really solid um, track record that, you know, when you look up at GuideStar, you can see that they have good financials. So um, there are many approaches I have, um, and some donors might want to try something innovative or to fill a gap. One, one family identified the need that community college students were dropping out, not because of tuition or their grades, they were doing great in, in terms of they were successful academically, but they were dropping out some even very close to graduation because of a life experience that left them without the money for tuition. Like maybe they couldn't pay their heat costs or their, they lost their childcare. We saw a lot of that during COVID where different situations caused folks to drop out. So this family set up a emergency fund for community colleges to tap into for students that had that kind of situation. So those are different approaches, um, all unique to each donor. And um, they, can, they don't have to choose one approach or another, but it is good to articulate what you think will be uh, most effective. Oh, and I think it's a great time of year. We're coming into the holiday season. We're spending time with our, our families uh, sitting around the table. So talking through some of the values or the areas of interest to kind of get starting points, even for your own personal self, or if you have a family you know, mission of some sort. Um, but give us some, give us some ideas of values. Like what are you seeing? How are you seeing people jump off and, and think through that with their families? Great. Well, there are some great tools um, that that we have. We have this great sheet of that lists values. We have these wonderful value cards, and there's uh, an organization called Twenty One Sixty Four that has these beautiful uh, picture your legacy cards that you um, can go through and just circle those values that rise to the top for you, or or even simpler with. If you're sitting around the kitchen table, just say, you know, write down three values that you think are core to our family and are core to our charitable giving. Um, and then each person can write down the values that they have. And then they, you can have a conversation with one another and ultimately come. Um, usually what happens is that you find that there's alignment, even if we use different words for our values they often, you often find alignment. Um, and, you know, you can put those up on the refrigerator and, um, or even use those words to create kind of a family mission statement for your philanthropic giving. And I find that no matter how old children are, they, they usually can share with you, you know, what's, what's important to you about how we're gonna decide where we give our charitable dollars this year. I love that. I love that. It's it's simple and it's easy and it pulls people together. So that's great. You mentioned a bunch of great tools. What about exercises? Are there any other exercises you can suggest for our listeners? 
Sure. Um, so one thing that I think is really helpful is to take stock of where you've been giving. So even if you're, um, even if you find that you're not very far along the philanthropic journey, but you've been giving, it's great to take a look at, okay, last year, where did my charitable contributions go? And moving into this year, um, what, how might I like to change that, um, change that distribution? So I usually ask people to think about the, the category of their giving in a couple of buckets. One bucket might be, um, these are checks that I've written because I wanna be a good citizen and a good community member. So I wanna give back to things like my church, my public radio station. Um, other types of grants might come from relationships that you have with friends where you know every year you're gonna get a few requests to either fund their favorite organization or support um, someone running the marathon. I call them relationship grants. There are other sort of important, I call them important organizations. There might be organizations that you feel just are anchor and important to support like the, the local library or the temple or a previous educational um, organization that you benefited from. And then I would say last, but certainly not least, and we hope this part of your giving portfolio might increase over time is um, the part of your giving that you put towards strategic philanthropy. And there you might, um, for some of some donors, they might have like uh, one or two issue areas that they care a lot about. So let's say you um, want to give part of your portfolio to education. I have um, one family where the state of Israel is really important to them. So they like to look at their giving and make sure that at least 50% of it has gone to either Israel or an Israel-led organization. Um, so it could, some people wanna make sure they're balancing their local portfolio and their international portfolio. So I would say it's great to annually just take a review of your portfolio from last year and then ask yourself how you would like it to change in the next year moving forward. Right. So, and, and, and the fact that people are even, you know, doing it in a simple form is, is great. And so I guess this is just a really good exercise for someone who wants to maybe move along the TPI curve and get to a more impactful situation. This is a great exercise to think about, you know, how and even if their giving portfolio should change over time. Does that sound right? Exactly. Exactly. And I, I like to think of it as a both and equation. Um, you can be both uh, strategic, but still reserve a pot to be discretionary, as I call it, you know, those things that you can't plan for in advance. Right. And so as you're moving through some of these different exercises and thinking through some of these things, um, you've talked about mission statements, and I think that is an excellent idea, and it also allows people to have a clearer goal about what they're trying to achieve and then be able to communicate that to not only to organizations that they're looking to support, but again, to be able to say no if it doesn't align with their mission statement. So tell us a little bit about how someone might craft a, a giving mission statement. Sure. Yeah, I think um, a mission statement is really helpful, particularly if you're giving, um, if you're 
philanthropy is being done with another family member or with your entire family, it's a really nice process to come together to think of a mission statement. And usually that mission statement would include in it the purpose of your philanthropy, the goals of your philanthropy, the values that are guiding it. Um, it would share a statement of what you hope to achieve or your vision. Um, and it usually includes so the impact you'd like to have, what and who you'd like to direct your philanthropy towards. And if you have a particular strategy that you're employing to do that, you could include that in the mission statement. Um, ultimately, it reflects your values as well. So it's kind of the who, what, and why are we doing this that you can put out to the, you can, it can be completely private mission statement that's just for yourself and your family. And you can also use it if someone would like to apply for a grant, you can kind of give them a sense of what you're, what types of things you're, you're supporting. Great. And so as folks are moving through, I guess, defining more of this um, in their thinking of being, about being more strategic, Give us some suggestions about where to look and how they can find the different organizations in their area. Great, that's a, a great question. Um, and so one thing I would suggest is, well, there's an organization called GuideStar, guidestar.org. That is a wonderful tool if you're trying to do diligence on an organization that you've already identified. So let's say you're, you find a nonprofit, you think they're doing good work, and you want to just make sure that the money, most of the money is going to programming as opposed to overhead, or you just want to make sure that they're financially viable. So GuideStar is a great tool once you've already found the organization, but sometimes folks want have difficulty finding uh, um, organizations. And so there I would really recommend um, going, you could go to your community foundation um, website and see who are some of their grantee partners. Because if the community foundation is giving to um, an organization in your community, you can be sure that they've gone through some pretty rigorous due diligence. Um, so that the community foundation has probably met with them, done site visits, and looked at their financials. The other thing you can do is look at peer donors. Um, oftentimes, um, you can go to a family foundation website or a foundation website of a uh, philanthropist that you that you admire and you think is doing good work and take a look at their grantee list. That can be a really good starting place as well. Um, the other thing are staff of foundations and staff of community foundations are often really wonderful resources. So I know, for example, at the Boston Foundation, there is a whole, um, whole program initiative that's focused on the housing landscape in Boston. And so I can go to that program officer and say, can you share any research you've done, any resources? And a good question to ask people that are experts in a particular field is where are the gaps in funding that private philanthropy can really help fill? Um, sometimes, uh, private philanthropy can fill a gap for a certain period of time, and then public dollars could come behind that and really leverage those, those private dollars. That's great. That's great. And so once people kind of go through all of this, then 
I know they could try to do it on them, their cell, you know, by themselves or with their family. Um, but it seems like TPI has a great handle. So working with you guys, you'll guide them through all of these things. And then I think it sounds like to me that you can summarize it all into one nice plan that can be adjusted throughout time um, and they can get support from you along the way. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, um, I talk about a philanthropic plan being a living and evolving document but it's a wonderful document where families or individuals can share their vision, their mission, their focus areas, um, even how they're going to make decisions about grants, how they might wanna allocate those grants and um, a notion of their succession after they're gone. Um, there's another tool that we have that I think has been very valuable um, to donors of all types is a kind of donor legacy workbook where you can walk through, TPI can help you walk through not only what is the positive impact that you want to have during your lifetime, but then also how do you want to transmit um, those values? And if you are going to leave behind a trust or a foundation or a donor advised fund, is there guidance that you would like to leave the next generation about your, your hopes for that um, philanthropic dollars? And last but not least is, you know, the question of what legacy you'd like to leave for yourself, but also in thinking about loved ones or thinking about, um, you know, previous family generations, is there a legacy that you would like to help memorialize them? So the, the work, workbook is just a very simple kind of a nice prompting of questions that you can ask yourself. So it's a very much of a, a reflection uh, process. Because ultimately, you know, the true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. So that's a quote from Nelson Henderson, who is a farmer. And I think that's just a lovely idea to think about the shade you create for other people. Well, this was great. I, you know, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm blessed that you're, you know, working here with us and supporting our mission to help our clients become more philanthropic and get a little bit more strategic in their thinking. Um, thank you very much. And we hope to see you and hear from you again soon. Well, thank you so much, Christine. I really appreciate it and hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Take care. Join us every second Tuesday of the month to hear our talks. Each event covers a new topic. Sometimes it's money related and other times it's not. We have speakers ranging from health and wellness to financial planning, taxes, and so much more. The Empower Women series was created by Lexington Wealth Management to offer a space for women to come together and feel supported by one another in a safe, judgment-free environment. When we share our experiences and knowledge, we're able to learn from each other. Our mission is to empower women and girls from all walks of life to speak up, ask questions, and learn. We have seen firsthand the impact that our discussions around life and money have had on women. And with the Empower Women series and the Empower Women series podcast, we hope to reach and help so many more. Lexington Wealth Management is a team of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRAN SIPC, and Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. All securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. 
No investment process is risk-free and there is no guarantee that the investment process described herein will be profitable. Investors, investors may lose all of their investments. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance. It is not a guarantee. In preparing these materials, we have relied upon and assumed without independent verification the accuracy and completeness of all information available from public and internal sources. Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as to their accuracy or completeness or for statements or errors contained or in omissions from them. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the author and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Third-party links and references are provided solely to share social, cultural, and educational information. Any reference in this post to any person or organization or activities, products, or services related to such person or organization or any linkages from this post to the website of another party do not constitute or imply endorsement, recommendation, or favoring of Lexington Wealth Management or Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates, employees, or contractors acting on its behalf. Hightower Advisors LLC does not guarantee the accuracy or safety of any link site. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the clients' individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions. Copyright 2021 Hightower.